Welcome back, Warhorse Podcast, episode 15, December 19th, once again hitting the full moon, 2021. The website is goldengoatguild.net. Instagram is the main social media outlet, same handle, Golden Goat Guild. And um, you can find me on Twitter as well, Andrew Edwards. Tonight, I plan on opening up right here and riffing on our situation vis-a-vis the collapse from a couple different angles. The first angle is... It has been said that, specifically by James LaFond, that we are essentially heading towards or already in some type of a matriarchy. And this seems entirely accurate to me. So if that's like postulate one, postulate two would as you might guess, pertain to the nature of women, females. Given that the most fundamental defining feature, uh, in my opinion, um, I don't know that there's like a truly substantive difference at the soul level, which I would put primary over the material. There may very well be. Um, given that we don't really have much much in the way of a noose anymore to, to see something like that, and I don't really want to be dependent on what are obviously biased and poetic, mostly um, simping, ass-kissing males and defensive, aggressive females you know, making some sort of claim about this nature or that nature of the soul. So, fuck all that. As far as biology and the material and the way that relationships work in reality between man and woman, what we know is that women spit out the kids. So, from there, we can say that we also know during this condition, they become, you know, vulnerable. Um, they're not running anywhere. They're not fighting anything. In the old days, was this somewhat different? It seems to me, yes, that anybody who would possibly try to make the argument that 
you know, women have become more physically capable under the, I mean, burden of industrial society is, is ridiculous. I mean, women have become nothing more, nothing but more sedentary, less physically capable, weaker, not as tough. But the irony here is that the media messages are the exact opposite of that. Strong woman, you know, woman strong, we can do everything. We're, we're in this sort of, you know, women that is, are in this upward trajectory which is completely, just on the physical level, patently, objectively, observably, just false. If 50% of the United States population is obese, then we know that 50% of the female American population is obese. And it only draws down you know, by degrees. The third, so the first postulate was we're probably moving into or are in some type of matriarchy according to James LaFont. Two is that women have not gotten physically stronger and the biological, and perhaps at that point there is a soul component to uh, pregnancy, you know? Does anybody really know if women's souls are not being stretched at that point? Who, who knows? Um, to say there's not some magical component would might be foolhardy. So they remain, for the time being, responsible for bearing children. Now this is, there are many, many, many efforts to undo this. Um, Much of the trans sort of agenda, if you investigate it, you will find, and, you know, associated agendas, though I think that there's no specific actual trans agenda. I think it's just a piece uh, you know, like one tine of a 40-tined fork or something like this. Terrible analogy. Rolling forward with it, though. Um, in this milieu, let's say, um, you know, there's many different efforts to work on IVF and um, men carrying, I guess, in some sort of artificial uterus that would be implanted in them and this is this is merely a stepping stone to a literal dystopian nightmare hellscape where babies would be born in synthetic sacks under uh, you know controlled like um, pharmaceutical grade, grow house like conditions there too um, though nothing comes to mind I'm certain were we to investigate it there are efforts underway to make this like a scientific physical reality 
All right. So postulate three is that if, if we accept that the sort of disposable nature of men with respect to the number of sperm they put out versus the number of eggs that are put out and men go to war, men are typically at the perimeter. Personally, I very quickly see a, a super raw deal, you know, that's been going down for hundreds if not thousands of years to twist and take advantage of the natural and healthy male proclivity towards going to war to protect what is his. His family, his children, his tribe, on up. Very good research and narrative has been constructed. Research has been done, narrative constructed, as far as men finding themselves at, you know, a seemingly sort of like a twilight. Um, so there's many obvious, serious problems with this idea of, or with this, this behavior pattern, which is exacerbated and made possible entirely due to the economic system. We talked before in another episode that feminism was 100% op. Create this whole new double the tax base and create this whole new like variety of consumer and expand into like a consumer society. Whether or not we could argue that we had a, we certainly didn't have a consumer-based society prior to feminism. We had nothing, I mean, to say we had a service or, you know, now it's like, oh, we're gonna be an information economy. To make statements like that, I think men would have just laughed and, you know, rolled their eyes. So fourth point slash postulate to make is that we're in about the second generation of men where in America and most of Western Europe, I believe, where perhaps not a majority, but I think it, I think it's pretty close, uh, to at least 50%, um, given divorce rates, right? 50% divorce rate. So uh, nearly or somewhere around 50% of males in the last two generations were essentially raised by women. And so, therefore, you know, as much as dad might have been around or tried, these men are going to fail. 
these men are in large part now don't get me wrong are there exceptions yes there are and I've pointed this out before that there are strange outliers um, but you have no way and I have no way and society or the parents have no way to predict anything along those lines and what I want to propose um, in my fourth point here is that and I haven't seen many other people I have seen if you know there's plenty of commentary about the boomers and much of the die-off long emergency peak oil sort of stuff 15 years ago was cognizant and concerned itself with the boomer population this bulwark if you will um, but also this like heavy front end that was sort of leading us off the cliff now that liberalism and conservatism are all just mixed up I mean it's all liberalism right that's obvious but in terms of it working its way out into some sort of at least slow boil, you know, the point we're driving to is essentially that, that it's, it's probably the ramping up of late is probably going to be the norm um, at this point. Because in the early aughts, you had a lot of people saying the sky was falling but you had a lot of other level heads who were making observations and you could also just sort of sense it. Again, this man on the ground, sort of not atmospheric so much as just observation. And again, we're leading to this kind of point where I'll just spit it out and then we'll work our way back, is that the idea that something substantial is going to change on a national level is, is in my opinion going to be the carrot that leads all good men to realistically piss away most of what few options may be available yet to them. And this is, um, this is a disturbing, to me, it should be very disturbing. And I'm sure that a lot of guys who listen to this sort of stuff harbor a similar conclusion. If you actually go down to pick a spot, you know, if you, yeah, if you go to a tactical class, you know, it might seem one way, but if you start scratching the surface, it very quickly will become, it may become, most likely will, it'll become disturbing. Same at a gym, you know, whether that's a boxing gym or a fighting gym of some sort. Um, you, I think the numbers are obviously going to be much higher here because you have men who insist on being respected. And if they're not respected, um, something's going to change. But that does not translate 
at you know real easily it may over time uh but it doesn't give somebody who's has no predilection towards research reading or open-mindedness or even again simple observation um the insight and then the follow-through to pull apart those contradictions and do the work um which is very difficult work much of this podcast really was born from the idea my personal observation and um there have been others who have noticed that there's like um I'm not sure what the analogy is there's it's almost like a grieving process I guess where which is very again it's like Jesus man um sometimes my burden is more than I can bear and but there's a grieving process in terms of the life that you thought you would live and the life that you probably thought was waiting for your children to live and what the reality of that would be like not just for you personally but what would the people around you be like? I mean, at the soul, at the deeper, at the interpersonal level, if you still want to go to the bar and flirt and get laid, or if you still want to sit around a barbecue and, you know, have a few chuckles, honestly, if it were me doing the cryptocracy's design work, I would be very judiciously sprinkling those in, like again with the carrot, to make sure that there was something, you know, some shred of decency or realistically normalcy. Um, there's decency still. And the people that are around you, right? We, we referred in a recent episode to McCarthy's The Road where you're greeted pretty much at the beginning with uh, what is a kind of deep character insofar as we're talking about the mother here who has decided to check out. Um, as a subscriber, intelligent fellow pointed out, you know, it's almost as if she loves the child too much to bear the inevitable realities in front of her. The father, on the other hand, loves the child too much to do anything but sacrifice right down to the last, you know, bloody sputum, uh, ejected from his you know his infected system there and this is an extreme example of the you know the observations just referred to this on the ground this man on the ground level versus another still contained within, of course, the human 
landscape, but on high, fucking hate even saying that, but the top down, let's say that, from the monetary system, the global financial oligarchy. These are two, again, um, pretty useful places. We all have limited time and so, and, you know, limited skills, but there are plenty of other spots. If you want to look at supply lines and things like this, they will give you a jolt. In terms of these observations that that might be available to us if we're paying attention, Hoffman's already made the case that we're in this condition of amnesia, ebulia, and apathy. And, you know, what is the next step down from there? Well, I think that... And this comes from somebody who, again, raised in Portland, uh, a disgust of sort of base consumerism, um... Not that it, you know, stopped anybody from maybe their consumption was more refined or and the like. I've certainly been, um, you know, been guilty of this myself. And growing up in this in this um, type of environment. Noticing things like shoppers on Christmas was, it it came with, well, on the one hand, it can be kind of a joyful, and it's supposed to be, right? A joy, or I mean, at least that's how it's sold. Um, Activity. However, you know, even then, there's this disturbing base sort of uh, greed, a conditioning occurring between usually mother and child or both parents and, you know, maybe dad is standing behind like, oh, okay, you know, tap the wallet again or mom is throwing televisions and and other sort of shit that's on sale, you know, in the shopping cart. You could see this, I mean, 25 years ago easily if you were paying attention. Um, Never been a real big shopper myself. But, you know, there's occasion. A man has occasion to witness such things. And so now, the progression over these 24, 25, whatever we're talking about years, there's a, there's a difference. And so the step down from Hoffman's three designations appears to be a sort of morose roboticism that it, right it would be attributed to anyone I, you know, it seems to be a dwindling number who want to make these sort of social observations and then maybe deal with the uncomfortable and depressing discussions with friends family loved ones buddies what have you who may entertain or provide feedback for that. You may be familiar with that position as a Warhorse podcast listener, or you may not, but hopefully you get the point either way. And 
there is there is um, a marked slowness. You know, this is the morose, um, quiet, segregated, solitary, no eye contact. And again, this could all, this has been going on and was ramped up, I think, in the, the last two years of this, quote, plague. Many have said that this whole thing was a campaign of demoralization. We're going to find out, I imagine, that much of the, of the bullshit about, you know, the spike protein or the, the third booster or what have you. No, you shouldn't. I, I didn't take any of this stuff. I doubt you took any of this stuff. I'm sure you're standing on the sidelines like, what the fuck? Where's my, where's my point of purchase, right, to place my tool in here and do something? Well... Insofar as this was a, a a plan mostly to demoralize and um, run down, I think that was successful. I think, too, it was successful in a reconditioning, you know, new normal, new normal, new normal. Well, I think part of this lackluster depression... For, for lack of a better word, which may very well be the exact word for it, I'm not entirely sure, um, relates to, you know, not only the shifting economic realities, um, you know, for a year and a half, you were told to stay home and take the money, and then how many small businesses were destroyed... When was the last time we saw any headlines about what are the where's the you know again man on the street where are the stories about what happened to those people those loans sure as fuck did not go to Bob Jenkins who owned the muffler store on some shitty corner in Philadelphia Bob Jenkins probably didn't even apply cuz he knew he was going to get raped one way or another on that you know financial assistance well the next step down from here um, what would it be well I guess we can entertain that maybe in a bit but if we rewind one second and consider the other objectives within this operation I would suggest that the, the second part of this plan was to rejigger conceptions about livelihoods in general. Um, is it what is possible? What is feasible? Back to the baby boomers, they are already in this late stage sort of late stage of their lives adjustment period. They're tapped into either their pensions or their savings and or using both and combining it with like a side job or they're just out completely what have you how about the rest of the world um we've spoken many many times about extreme ambiguity extreme uncertainty at the high level 
at the monetary and financial level, this is what I'm talking about. And so it would appear to me to be that on this level, you know, objective number two of the op, a success. So they're two for two so far. Doesn't it make you wonder, again, if all of the sort of... Why, why is it that so many people were just blasted off of social media and yet others who are putting out stories right now that are coming up to the forefront... I can't remember this one doctor's name. I mean, it may very well be that he's totally well-intentioned. I'm not saying he's not at all. I'm just saying a hallmark of most of these ops is if you can't control the opposition entirely, which is the ultimate goal, but I do not think that they can yet, is pick and choose who you let squeak through, right? Again, back to the cattle herding sort of principles. Easily done, I mean, just with a click of a button now at this point. But all of that business about the sort of prosecutorial questions, right? Like, well, who did it? Was it, was, was it in, is it, did it really originate in Wuhan? Was, did Fauci make a bunch of money off of it? Um, probably yes, 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 and yes. But is anything ever going to be done? Well, was anything done about anything in the last 20 fucking years? No, I'm here to tell you as nearly an old ass man that every single time that justice should have been served, do not think that you can go back six years or um, you know one year to January and, and act shocked that, oh my goodness, the justice system is corrupt. Are you out of your fucking mind? Have you had your head up your ass For the past 30 years, talking here to boomers and Gen X and whatnot. For the youngsters, dude, let me tell you. Nobody ever investigated as one prime example that was smeared all over mainstream media for everybody to see and now everybody to forget abulia or amnesia, excuse me. Who was it who took out all of the put options prior to 9-11? Not even an interest. Dancing Israelis, not even an interest. Yeah, an underground right-wing bodybuilder, uh, esoteric survivalist, fucking info war. Well, and that's good. Of course, there's no... That's all we have. And... Most of this conversation is, I guess, partly turning into a rant, but was really designed to head us towards a serious, serious question as would regard our conditions with our fellow man. I worry when um, we're told things like a new Caesar needs to to arise. Um, why am I worried? Because Caesars don't just show up. You know, does God provide them? Uh, is this, yeah, now we're getting into like fate, destiny. Well, right now we are settling and 
and grasping due to our own degradation. Mine, yours, everybody's. Pick the most put together, um, squared away dude you, you know, and I would bet you some money without you know sight unseen that the case most likely is that no particular plans to create or dredge up or recruit or discover a group. It would take a group of Caesars. I'm talking about, and it doesn't have to be Caesar. I don't care about, you know, America being the new Rome. I don't care about any of this ancient, I don't care about the fourth turning. I don't give a shit about, the mysticism for me is already so dense and so deep each moment that I don't need these sort of rehashing of narratives. Um, And this could be, of course, to my detriment. Maybe I will miss the whole thing. Sure, fine, whatever. The observation stands. And this observation is that if you go out to the butcher shop or the bar, you are going to see, I think, one of two things. Um, well, let's say three. You're going to see a sort of animalistic, um, you know, untermensch, if you will, uh, lowbrow kind of. It's a desperation itself. Though it may be squawking and it may be smiling, it's completely inauthentic if we're talking about the human experience of being with a capital B. You know, you're already dealing with a, a, a pretty fucked up individual, likely. You may see a, you know, monumental, uh, a monument itself, Upon, upon the face of each man and woman that you encounter in terms of denial. And denial takes many, many forms, it seems to me. And then from denial, I, it, you don't go forward, right? Like this is just, you, you like consider the wall, let's just make it Hoffman's um, 2001 black obelisk and those individuals who construct these walls of denial are hurt or and or lacking in serious coping skills in order to even approach or seek out the truth right so as their circumstances continue to degrade, I imagine a sort of rolling wall, the, the, the wall actually rolling with them. You know, if it goes forward, imagine it's just this thing that they push in front of them or pull with them and they move through life with this thing. So you're going to see some serious shit if we have, and we, it sure as hell looks to Andrew Edwards, I mean, for whatever this is worth, a stepwise, long-term grind resulting in all sorts of highs and lows and whatnot, but mostly I think they're shooting for the worst possible case, the worst possible scenario, you know? Take the elements of each dystopian nightmare, 
combine them, and I think this is what you're going to get because you have a malevolent force, either demonic, uh, sociopathic, both, what have you, hell bent on their like righteous idea to you know eliminate everybody from the planet and save the earth. But they're the ones, of course, you need in their progeny uh, need to be preserved. Well, that's not going to work. And combined with with that momentum, it it would seem to me that you have the momentum, I guess, of human nature. I guess that was, you know, Hoffman again definitely is probably channeled himself into into the truck tonight, but you know, he makes a similar point. <clears throat> that the inertia of the herd, the masses. And you know this, like you don't want to be just imagine the holiday shopping thing where Everybody rushes for the door or whatnot. This is why I tend to advocate for, one, don't go holiday shopping or places where there are giant crowds in general. But two, if shit goes down, stop, pause, fucking watch, etc. And, you know, I just work it up to the next layer of, in this case, not so much abstraction, but if we bring in time and space and stretch it out a bit you know again this is this is my advocacy if i have any at this point because most of us do not have the means to pick up a second passport there are many voices of course urging us to, you know, stay and fight for the ground that you have, which is right, which is wrong. In a stepwise collapse, you're definitely going to see people changing, changing boats. And rewinding a bit, you know, in a stepwise collapse as well, we stand to see, you know, it would almost be it would be a great novel, right? It would be a great movie, but I don't think that's going to be particularly fun to live. You are going to see these uh, changing horses in midstream. You're going to see a lot of this. I think you're going to see the rise of very cultish and fragmented from there cults. We have, you know, the obvious is, well, you have sort of um, a cult of, I don't know, like, constitutional or just American individualist based defiance perhaps I don't know and then you have maybe a, a, a cult of I don't want to say you know just going along with the with the herd it's more like a cult of doing doing what everyone else is going to think is right and not analyzing it sort of cult. Well, I would I would foresee some some pretty substantial fracture lines 
repeated over and over and over again. So what does this all have to do with women and a matriarchal situation? Well, if we're going to solve this, or if we're going to even survive, or if we're even going to have some halfway coherent explanation for when our children, if they even care to, ask us, you know, what the hell happened here? I just don't, I don't see right now um, an awareness nearly anywhere that's taking into considerations the technological and the the factors of technology and the factor of our degradation are and that's physically and mentally but it's also socially contextually we can make as many analogies as we want we can say the spanish civil war we can say whatever it it it's really not entirely comparable hell i mean uh i've i've used the bones, the very bare bones of perestroika and, and, and this sort of stuff, this the collapse of the Soviet Union, mostly as a handrail, but um, but I'm not, you know, necessarily a prophet here. And A lot of this commentary arises from a broad, very broad study of the ongoing push that has led us to this point. Uh, as far as I, you know, what would I say if forced, what would I bet my little toe on? I would bet you could prove 150 years of consistent press and, you know, progress towards what we're experiencing right now. Conscious, um, designed, planned evidence, you know, of this operation is not only available, they're mocking you with it. It's freely available and there's all sorts of folks out there compiling it, analyzing it, etc., Beyond that, um, my personal inclination, as you guys know, is that it goes back farther. We can imagine, and we have to, right? We have to imagine the best for ourselves, and we have to put in the, the daily work, the grind, but it's often not entirely clear what that work really is. Everybody, it's been said recently, uh, I should have grabbed the tweet, but it was pretty solid, was saying, this tweet was something like, in effect, we're all just scrambling around hoping that we will amass enough money that uh, you know you won't be hit in the first wave. some pretty, you know, obvious arguments to say that's not, it's not a very, it's not long-term. Um, it's, and it's maybe not wise. It's maybe not rooted in anything but sand as, 
as we say. But it's sort of true. And that in itself is... It's disturbing and it just goes to say, basically, that no one else has any other plan. Peter Thiel has put up this guy, Blake Masters. I'd love to talk to him. He looks great on paper. Peter Thiel, I mean, you would imagine he's, he's become a little bit more mysterious and shady, I would say, over the past few years. Shady is not the right word. Um, shadowed, right? He's almost in the shadows. So, but he absolutely has access to the same information that we have. And this is how it seems like a lot of people are hoping that some, some sort of war among the oligarchs will save us. I mean, more likely is some sort of oligarchical uh, feudalism between oligarchs. So, it's a very, very um, tough situation. And part of the sort of tie-in here, you know, this this 44-minute detour revolves around stuff you guys probably already know. So, we're all in, it would seem to me, some state of degradation. And we're all struggling. In one way or another. I think that the best of us are likely just struggling to keep faith. I have a lot of trouble with, you know, personally taking faith or putting stock into that type of denial, there's many types, right? But so we have the person who's just going to build this bulwark against all external or maybe uncomfortable information. And then you have the type who's just going to sit in his or her wheelhouse and feel, you know, it's very, it's very easy to pick apart. And it's, it's pretty obvious that I mean, we made the, the, the point very early in this series of podcasts that the man who is utterly reliant for his self-confidence, uh, utterly, utterly reliant upon the gym or um, Amazon, or maybe even we could extend this out and do Musashi's austerity to say almost anything. If, if this bedrock is not actually internalized such that it cannot be stripped away, then you've got something 
when you're looking at the type of absolutely twisted and illusory landscape that that we're peering into right now. In a stepwise collapse, you're likely going to have groups of people who fall away sooner than others. It just makes sense. What about those people? There's this old idea, right? Like, well, first they came for them and I didn't do anything. And then they came for the other guy and I didn't do anything. And then finally they came for me. And, huh, if I'd done something. Well, consider the American relationship with money and the constant, I mean, as far as, as long as I've been alive, you know, the railing against um, a welfare state or what have you. There's always some truth in both of both of these two lies, communism and capitalism, that one guy wants to swallow the cherry and another guy wants to swallow the grape. Well, the ideology leads to the same final destination. And that destination is eventually they come for you, whether you're Peter fucking Thiel or um, you know the guy who has a couple million in crypto or the guy who has a super secure job um, in utilities or transportation, etc. The, the, the very rare, like, productive, actually essential job in America. Um, you know. What is the timeline? We don't know. What am I really telling you to do? Not much other than if you care to you know you can roll this stuff around in your mind and yeah it can drive you crazy Um, but it is sort of essential if we want to jar ourselves awake wake up from that dream into maybe a less comfortable dream. In psychological literature, you know, they have a couple different terms, I think, for this, but, you know, the comfort zone, we'll just leave it with that. Um, It doesn't have to necessarily be the absolute deepest, darkest, scariest place on day one. The deepest, darkest, and scariest place, one of them may very well be that, you know, the twisting of the relationships of men and women has gone so far that the human nature of one or the other, or I think both, parties here, both men and women, has been bent backwards upon itself, if you will, to create a very intentional, even maybe somewhat obvious, um, if you have a kind of destructive deconstructionist mentality, it may be that 
on a large enough scale. Am I saying that, you know, your wife sucks or my No, none of this is like that. We're talking about scale and we're talking about the masses. And yes, we are talking about ourselves. We are all subject to this shit. So I don't mean to preach about it, but my concern in launching into this this assault, you know, on this full moon, we're just about to hit the full moon. The micro covens are probably a little bit subdued on a Sunday, but don't put it past them to, um, to be expanding. And they are likely very upset from, from last month. You know, what can we say? The point here is really to drive home this idea, this question. If we have this one inertia moving towards that that image from the matrix, right? You're, there's humans, and, and I don't mean batteries, I just mean literally there are plans to grow babies in synthetic materials and feed them like hydroponics, okay? So we have that on the one hand. There is clearly money, whether it's this faction of the oligarchy or that faction, there's enough of them put together that it's some serious stuff. And we don't have enough Peter Thiels, as far as I can see, who are willing to stand up. And, you know, if you amass a hundred millionaires, right, you now have one billionaire, if they have all combined. Well, getting a hundred people together to do anything is pretty tough. And in general terms, can we work? Uh, Maybe. Maybe. Maybe something can be cobbled together out of enough millionaires. It'd be interesting to know how many millionaires are there. What would the likelihood be of some deciding quotient of them, percentage of them, uniting? And how fast can they print money, them that have the levers right now, and soak that up? How likely would a group of 100 or so millionaires, or say it's, you know, 100 and they all have 100, so they've chipped in and now you've got a couple billion. How likely are they as billionaires, men who likely attained their position by setting the organizing principle of money at the forefront of their lives? Just likely. I know there's plenty of, uh, not plenty, there aren't enough, but there are some. And, you know, does that math work out to the point where they are able to see that they lack? You don't just get, a, you know, a hundred pianists together and have them build a house. You don't build, you don't grab a hundred home builders together and have them cobble together a symphony. We're living in that sort of thing right now, where the networking is collapsing, um, the ladders are being pulled up, and this is the exact prime time when that the opposite should be happening. The absolute dead opposite of that is what we should see, and we're not. You see it in very small niche areas of the internet. You see it at the family level to whatever degree, I I couldn't be sure. Um, So, 
that one heavy stream of inertia pushing towards the synthetic outcome is almost like, you know, if you're pulling a trailer or something and you hit the brakes but that trailer keeps moving, it's as if, you know, this is inertia, right? This is, this herd is going to be pulled along. The early adopters, whether those are blue-haired problem glasses wearing cat ladies who sign up for, you know, sign their lives away and then sign up for the synthetic baby experience, I don't know. Um, I don't really think there are enough of them. And I think there, with, you know, the recent additions over the past 8 or 10 or 12 whatever years to the American voting population to say nothing of these multiple generations that in my opinion are struggling and fighting I I see their numbers I see I don't know what the numbers would be I mean one side wants to inflate it the other would downplay it if I'm at the mall which I'm not but if I'm at um the butcher shop again and I'm looking around and trying to read people which isn't that tough you could say that I'm actually placing myself in places where you'd find the quote masses this huge secondary inertia being pulled that way There may be something within, I would never be confident saying like the American people, but for a number of reasons, but the human, it's hard to argue against the leveraging of the negative aspects of human nature, the power of that, especially when taken in in conjunction within the uh, the sphere of your considerations you take as well this factor of, of degradation and um, the proliferation the ubiquity of of mass media so the we're coming up on an hour, a solid, you know, hour of ranting to ultimately make the secret second point that through this rant, it should be, I hope, very evident that the development of an individualized system of value does not simply mean some new symbol of money. It means that if you had 10 million or 10 million even individuals whose systems of value absolutely do not jive with the inertia, I doubt we would 
I doubt we would find ourselves where we're at. I'm not sure, of course, what the numbers would be, 10 million, 100 million, but I think that it might even be less. And so in the way that the, you know, the problem of the one and the many works its way out at the different levels of abstraction, I think that the way the power of the individual system of value something interior that emanates out the way this seems to work is like in expanding in a sort of I guess rings upon rings you know a sphere of influence perhaps where this individual with his or her likely highly developed, nuanced, heartfelt, um, unique, original system of value takes on a, a compounding, to borrow from, from our banking friends, a concept, a, compound, a compounding effect takes place. And if we did, as you know, defiant individuals ourselves listening to the War Horse podcast, want to consider something in the way of a course of action, we may take up first a serious analysis of the spheres of influence that we witness on social media for sure, because this shit ain't going anywhere, evidently, until maybe they drop the internet in a trial or, you know, a test sort of, um, quote, outage to make sure that we go along with the next precautionary measures and such. But we might take a very, a very systematic, very close, you know, think again of our intelligence analyst friends, um, pardon me, our accountant friends, and our, you know, deep schizo research friends as well. You get a group of those three types together and you start pulling apart in the same way because you see this. Like, I think much of this shit is going to sort of arrive at a place where that which is being used against you could be used the other way. Um, it seems like a sort of common effect due to the homogenization of, of everything, homogenization of everything, excuse me. And, you know, this, uh, the ironic lack of diversity, you start to see, I myself have, you know, I'm a novelist. I'm neither the accountant, uh, I guess I'm, I could be qualified for the schizo deep research guy. So fine, I probably can add something here. But you applied something like that and start analyzing the existing compounding spheres of influence. And generate some, some mechanism to begin dismantling it. It may very well be. I mean, we can stand on the fucking corners, right, as human beings and get signatures and whatever, and this seems to be a valuable 
uh, even a plaudible use of our time. But this, this suggestion is itself an example arising out of an individual system of value, which if you're listening to this podcast, you already have something. It may be small. It may be of a very different flavor than mine. But wouldn't it be very likely that as these steps down begin, and they have already begun, and as they go on, that networks themselves would begin to play many, many, many roles, many types of roles. Any uh, veterans of the Middle East wars would be aware of a couple examples. Well, a counterexample is potentially uh, something to look very hard at. Okay, one hour solid rant, I think. And let's close out by saying that this rant was brought to you by the weapons that I've surrounded myself with, as always. The Benchmade 710, McHenry Williams in the right pocket, the Winkler Knives operator in the left. My Sig Sauer Vintage Made in Germany Sig 230 has been actually backed up by one of my Glock 17s. I have backed up a backup gun with a full-size pistol, and I've backed that up with my Shorty AR-15, which I have further backed up by adding to this special rant edition of the Warhorse Podcast two of my absolute favorite creatures in the entire world. My wife's dog, Yum Yums, and my dog, Greiker Riker. They're both deeply settled in to an overwatch position when I close out this segment and we refresh ourselves I will I'm sure get a detailed download report okay for collapse nuts I hope that this scratched your itch if you want more which you do believe me you want more because if you don't want more I'm not able to put out more we're not, we're all scrambling now. Go to goldengoatguild.net, buy like five t-shirts, check out the services, buy some stickers. You can make a donation on that website in crypto of your choice. Whatever crypto, it can be absolutely anonymous and it would be greatly appreciated so that I can survive, my family can survive, I can keep enough bandwidth to make these sort of observations because there gets to a po- there there will become a point, you know, one of these many steps down where the cults start to really show themselves will involve characters like me deciding fuck it. And many many others of those that remain will have some sort of reason whether they are financially propped up somewhere or just, I mean, very likely just better off or um, propped up for ideological reasons. But 
that's up to you to, to take on board. As well, if you're interested in social media sorts of things, we have um, a temporary dilapidated bivouac situation on Instagram, sure to be nuked at some point. As well, I am on Twitter, Andrew Edwards. I'm the author of a novel called King of Dogs. That is the best fucking novel that was written or came out, let's say, to the market in the past 10 years. If you want to challenge that, you're welcome to. I'd be happy to have you on the podcast and give you an opportunity as opposed to cowering behind reviews of whatever and tell me your background, tell me about your literary expertise reading Harry Potter is not going to cut it. That's not going to get you on the podcast. But, you know, maybe one will let on for fun. But you have that opportunity. Um, and if, if you want to take that challenge, just let me know and you can tell me you're going to have to name that book that was better and you're going to have to make a reasonable, a reasonable case. That's really all I ask. So if you're the man to step up and do it, fine. Most likely, and more to our advantage, everyone's advantage, would be that you check the book out, you find that you are in agreement, and maybe you buy a few copies for your friends. That would be greatly appreciated. Lastly, pertaining to podcasts, you can go to Patreon. You can follow the links through... Instagram. It will take you right to the page where you just click, 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 and you're in. And you have access to what will be now uh, 20 podcast episodes. Episodes, excuse me. As well as a number of essays. And if the plan comes together, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray that this plan comes together. And I hope that you listeners... Help me bring this plan to fruition. This is not simply a plan to sit on the internet and comment as we swirl down the fucking toilet bowl. There's more to it than that. And I hope that I can get whatever modicum of good that I have in me out to whoever needs it. Whoever may find value in it or may be able to pick it up, take my little twisted idea of a three-pronged analysis and make it happen. Um, whatever. But I hope that it can continue. If you've made it this far, I do, I thank you for your attention and just for listening. It's mildly therapeutic, I'll be honest. So, for subscribers, I will close out this segment and uh, be back with you very shortly after I check in with Gregor Riker and Yum Yums. Okay. Thank you.